Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. Take your copy of God's Word or turn on your phone that has it and turn to Psalm number one. Psalm number one is where we're going to be today. We're doing a new series. It's called Summer Playlist. We're going to be walking through seven or eight psalms in the book of Psalms. And we're going to start today with numero uno, Psalm one. Let's stand as we read God's Word. Psalm one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You may be seated. So how many of you like to sing? Some of you in the room, you like to sing? Yeah, I like to sing. Listen, here's my philosophy on singing. If you can't sing good, sing loud right? Like if you see like American Idol <laughs> and there's some of them, there's people that think they can sing, but they can't. Listen, we won't judge you here. All right. We may kind of get away from you, but we won't judge you here. All right. Did you know that God created you to sing? He created you to sing. We are a singing people. If you go out through the corridors of history, every culture and every place in the world sings. Human history is a history of singing. Uh, we sing during various different moments in our life. We sing when we're happy. Uh, we sing when we're sad. Uh, we sing when we're celebrating. Uh, we sing when we're mourning. Uh, we sing at birthdays. Happy birthday to you. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. We sing at funerals. Uh, we sing at holidays. Think of all the Christmas songs that we sing. Sporting events. We sing at, have you ever been to a soccer game like, or football, foot, soccer, football, I mean, they get, they get into it. We sing when we're driving down the road. Have you ever seen somebody, you ever been driving around by somebody and you're at a stoplight and you're seeing them sing? I've seen people do other things too, but I've seen them sing. We sing in the shower. Some of you all, that, that's, where, that's your place, right? You're singing in the shower. Why do we sing? Well, people sing to number one, communicate their feelings. I mean, think about all the number of country songs that have been sung talking about a dog or an ex-wife, or a pickup truck, or a boat. Now, they got this bro country out there now. That ain't country, right? Old stuff is the good stuff. The new stuff, that's junk, all right? 
Amen. Can I get a witness on that? Praise the Lord. We're going to have church this morning. We seem to connect with people. You know, when you come, maybe this is your first time to church or maybe you've been coming to church all your life. There is something powerful when you sing with other people. There's just something that connects you with them. Singing is fun, right? It's fun to sing. It's stress relief. As a matter of fact, neurologically speaking, singing lowers your cortisol levels and relieves stress and tension. Studies have actually shown that when people sing, your body releases things called endorphins, which is God's natural morphine and oxytocin, and it lowers stress and anxiety. Occupational, occupational therapists, some of which sing to their patients, use singing, use music to help the body heal. Did you know that Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17 says that our God sings? He sings. The Bible talks about our singing God and me, we made in his image, we sing as well. Psalm 96 and found throughout all the Psalms says, sing unto the Lord a new song. That is that you can, you, God is inexhaustible. You can sing a new song about him day after day after day after day. And it would always be new because his mercies are new every day. And one of the things that we find in scriptures that we're gonna unpack over these next few weeks is that God wants us to sing to him regardless of our circumstances. Do you know that? Like it, it was a rainy morning and maybe some of you, you, you got here and like you just barely are hanging on. God wants you to sing to him today. Maybe you're having a good day. God wants you to sing to him because there's something powerful that happens when we sing praises to God. God gave us a hymn book. He gave us a song book, and it's the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is actually made up of five song books, five books of Psalms. It totals 150. So if you're ever on like Bible Jeopardy, how many songs are in the book of Psalms? 150. When you think of the 150 Psalms, don't think of like a greatest hits album. Think of like a mixtape. Think of like a playlist. And so like, you know, if you ever on like Spotify or whatever, and you get like these different songs, that's kind of what happens here because each song has a different style and different genres. There are happy songs. There are sad songs. There are depressing songs. There are, there are angry songs. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in the book of Psalms, but each Psalm was written within a context. So there's something that's normally going on in the background of these Psalms that were happening in the life of the people who were writing them during different seasons of life. And yet again, I want to reiterate that in every season, whether good or bad, we are to praise the Lord. The Psalms are written by multiple people. Uh, David wrote a lot of them, King David. Uh, a guy named Korah, who was like a, a worship pastor, uh, he wrote a lot of them. A guy named Moses, you heard of Moses? Uh, Moses wrote the oldest Psalm that we know, Psalm 90. Uh, Solomon, the son of David, wrote Psalms. Uh, a guy named Jedediah wrote Psalms. And then a guy, and I like this guy, his name is He-Man. Uh, He-Man, literally, He-Man, that's how I say it. I'm from Kentucky, okay? He-Man wrote a song or two. In, in the book of Psalms. Now, as you're kind of looking at the overarching thing, again, this is a lot of introduction, I know, but there are 150. The first two Psalms are the intro and the last two Psalms are the outro. So think again of a big, big playlist here. So Psalm one and two introduce, Psalm 149 and 150 kind of exit out. Uh, each book 
remember there's five of them, starts with the, the first word really is hallelujah. And so here you have the introduction in Psalm 1 all the way to 150. And we're going to start in Psalm 1 because I believe that Psalm 1 is the key to the rest of the Psalms. And so here we're going to have from the very beginning as we look at the Psalms, Psalm 1 sets a contrast between two ways of living that have two different outcomes. One way leads to blessing, the other way leads to brokenness. And so the whole book of Psalms is a call for you and I to choose which path will we take. Will we take the path of blessing or the path of brokenness? Will we choose the Lord or will we choose the word or the world? And so you have to decide which way will you choose. Will you praise the Lord or will you walk with the world? And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. But let's unpack it. Number one, let's look at the way of blessing. Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man. Now, let me just, it is Father's Day. Normally on Mother's Day, we praise women, and on Father's Day, we bash men. We're not going to do either one today, okay? If you're here, we're happy you're here, okay? So blessed is the man, blessed is the person. The word blessed is found 26 times in the Psalms. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes used the word blessed or blessed. The word here can mean to be permanently happy, to be fulfilled, to have a deep sense of well-being. Uh, Ray Ortland said that this word could even be like congratulations, like good, like good, 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 good. This is awesome, great. And here's what I want you to understand. From the very beginning, God tells us something about his desire for our lives. Do you understand that God wants you to be blessed? You can say amen to that. God wants you to be happy. God doesn't just want you to be miserable. Some people come to church and, and you act like God wants you to be miserable. Like your life is just following him is just one miserable thing to another. But God wants you to be happy. Now, granted, it's not superficial happiness. It goes up and down like a roller coaster based on your circumstances. No, God wants to make you happy. He wants you to have a deep sensing joy and satisfaction in your life. He wants something that lasts. Why? Because he's a good, good father. And good, good fathers want to bless their kids. Our heavenly father wants to bless you if you're his child. Now, God, God's desire for you to be blessed does not mean that he gives you everything you want. If God gave you everything that you wanted, that would not be a blessing. That would be a curse, right? Because sometimes the best blessings that God can give you are no to stuff you're asking for because he knows it's harmful for you. I remember when my kids, especially my boys, were like four and five. You know what they wanted for Christmas? A shotgun. <laughs> you know what they didn't get for Christmas? A shotgun. Later on, when they were like seven or eight, you know what they wanted? A bow and arrows. Like a real set. And so guess what I did? I caved in. I did it. Okay. And so they, they were out there in the backyard and, and they were setting up their little target thing. And, and I was kind of, you know, I, I kind of showed them how to use it for a while and they were figuring it out and then they took it out on their own and they decided to set the target next to a window. And guess what happened? I bought a new window, right? So sometimes, you know, if God, anyway, God knows what you need best. And the greatest blessing is not that God gives you everything that you ask for. The greatest blessing that God can give you is himself. Knowing God will bless you more than anything. I show people run around and they'll have these shirts on and say, I'm too blessed to be stressed or I'm so blessed. And we even have songs. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And I, we are blessed, right? We're blessed. You're blessed. 
But normally, when we, like especially down here in Naples, we say, well, I'm blessed. What does that mean? Well, I live in Naples, okay? <laughs> That's a blessing. And I have a nice house. I have health. I have a little bit of money. I've got family. And normally, we think that's what blessing is. But those things are blessings, but they're not the ultimate blessing. Because every one of those things will change and will not matter in eternity. But the knowledge of God will endure forever. The only thing that ultimately matters is knowing him. And so the blessed man, God wants you to be blessed. The greatest blessing is not that you have a lot of health and that you have a lot of wealth and that you have a lot of stuff. The greatest blessing is that you know God. And so he says, blessed is the man who walks not. Now, we're like in our 21st century, everybody gets a door prize society. We don't like the Bible to be negative. But here the Bible starts negative. It says, blessed is a man who doesn't do this. We don't like to be told what not to do. We don't like negative commands. We don't like the thou shalt nots of the Bible. We want everyone to affirm us. Our whole society is to be an affirming society. But yet, every negative command in the Bible is for our good. The reason why God says not to do it is because God says, knows that if you do do it, it will lead to your misery. So he says, if you want to be blessed, don't do this. Don't go down the spiral of stupid with the world. That's what he's saying here in verse one. What you notice here as you kind of watch is there's a progression. He talks about walking, then standing, then sitting. The blessed man, the man who has supreme happiness and lasting joy, he does not, number one, walk in the counsel of the wicked. That is, he does not run with the crowd. He doesn't run with the world. He doesn't accept the advice of the world. The blessed man is not being influenced by the world. Do you know that who influences you matters? Who you listen to matters. What you watch matters. Who you hang out with matters. I was told this as a kid. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Have you ever heard that one? We don't know who came up with it, and it wasn't me, but it's very important. Proverbs puts it this way, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer, suffer harm. Why doesn't it say the friend of fools becomes a fool? Because we already know they're a fool if you're hanging out with fools, right? Birds of a feather flock together. It says to suffer harm. Why? Because if you walk with the wise, you become wise. But if you walk with fools, if you hang out with fools, if you listen to fools, not only are you a fool, but you're going to suffer because you are a fool. So the blessed man, he does not accept the advice of the wicked. The second thing is he doesn't stand in the way of the sinners. He doesn't affirm their actions. So again, it goes back to who your friends are. Now, this is Father's Day, so I do need to do a little bit of man bashing, even though I said I wasn't going to. Here's the reality. I'm a married man. I have realized that most married men do not have deep, meaningful relationships with other men. Matter of fact, a study found that one out of every five men in America, this was done in this study, say that they do not have a real true friend and do not receive emotional support from a friend. Most guys don't have friends. What they have is buddies. So they have golfing buddies and drinking buddies and fishing buddies and pickleball buddies, right? Because that's the new thing down here. They have fantasy football buddies. 
But these, these relationships are not deep, they're casual. They're like echo chambers. You hang out people that are like you and that you like, but you don't really get into stuff. You don't really talk about your struggles. Well, here, when you hang out with people and you are influenced by other people, it will mess you up. But let me tell you something, the biggest mess up may not be people on the outside, like, like your, your, your buddies. You know what I think the biggest influences in our world is? Is what you watch on TV, right? Like I'm about to go from preaching to meddling, so hold on. <laughs> like who you listen to on talk radio, what you scroll and look at on social media, that, that has the biggest influence. So and he says here, listen, the blessed man doesn't stand with the sinners. That is, he, here's the thing. He's not just, a, just accepting and affirming the actions of the world around him. Do you understand that Hollywood has shaped American culture. It really has. And here's how. Things that are once abhorrent are now accepted. And what's happened is, is that the, the, the American culture accepts sin, what the Bible would call sin, as normal. And Hollywood says that basically things that are righteous they're weird. That's what it does. Call sin normal and righteousness weird. And what Hollywood and the mass media, and I'm not just trying to rail against them, but what they have done is that they have set the narrative for the society and they're quietly controlling society. I promise you. Things that we would have never thought of true 20 years ago of people accepting certain things, they're now like normal practices. Now, some of you are like, well, man, are you just like, are you just, you're, you're intolerant. You're a bigot. No, I'm just, listen, the Bible tells us there are things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. And the things that we shouldn't do are for our own good because if we do them, it leads to brokenness. And so here, the blessed man, the blessed man doesn't listen to the advice of the world. The blessed man doesn't affirm the action of the world. The blessed man doesn't adopt the attitudes of the world. They're not scoffers. You know what a scoffer is? It's a sarcastic, narcissistic mocker. People that just look down on other people. You ever been around somebody that all they do is criticize somebody else? Listen, if they criticize someone else to you, they're probably criticizing you behind your back. Amen? Can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you straight up. But the scoffers are those that are quick-witted. I mean, they're extremely smart Man, they, they're, they're sharp. And here's what happens. In our 21st century, what people use, the seed of scoffers today, is Twitter. Like, that's what the Bible says right here. It says, blessed is the man who doesn't sit in the, in the seat of Twitter. <laughs> or in the seat of Fox News. Or in the seat of MSNBC. It's right there in the Bible. Y'all not read it? It's, it's the Allen version. Y'all got that one? <laughs> What's happened is the scoffers are those who feed on the divisiveness of us versus them. And they, they're trying to influence people to be just as miserable as they are. See, when you sit in the seat of scoffers, you are agreeing and identifying with scoffers. And that's what's happening in our world today. 
So as you read Psalm 1, verse 1, it's a big psalm. Like if you're looking for something to memorize, memorize Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Actually, memorize the whole psalm. But if you read this, it's all about direction, isn't it? You go from walking to standing to sitting. It's all about a direction of a life. And so one guy put it this way. He says, it's the direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. So if your life is headed in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter how hard you try, you will not end up in the right place. So let's say after church today, you said, hey, pastor, let's go to Tampa. Let's go to Bush Gardens. Number one, I probably wouldn't go. But let's just say I did. So, yeah, let's go to Bush Gardens. And so I, you, we're driving and we come to Pine Ridge and we, get, we have an option here, I-75, you can go north or south. You say, hey, preacher, we're gonna go to Bush Gardens. We're gonna go to Tampa. And you turn off on the south exit. Do you understand it doesn't matter how hard you pray <laughs> or how good your intentions are? You're still headed in the wrong direction. And guess where you're gonna end up? You ain't end up Bush Gardens. You're gonna be in Miami. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. Because it's not your intention, it's your direction. If the direction of your life is this way, it doesn't matter if you say, you know, I wanna be a good person, I wanna follow God. But if you're going in the wrong direction, it doesn't matter. And there's a lot of people, even church kids, even church people who say, you know what, I wanna live for God, but yet my life is headed in the absolute wrong direction. It doesn't matter how good your intentions are. Amen. Doesn't matter. And here's what you gotta understand. God's way and the world's way are two different ways. They're two different directions. God's way and the world's way are not heading the same way. Because here's what happens. The world has a different view on a lot of stuff. The world has a different view on sex than God does. God says that sex is for marriage between one man and one woman in a coveted relationship in one lifetime. Till death do you part. You know what the world says? The world's view on sex is this. Hook up, shack up, then break up. Rinse and repeat. The world has a different view about the money than God does. God says that, listen, all money is given to you to be used to bless your family and for the kingdom of God. The world says, no, get all you can and can all you get. The world says, what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. But that's not the way God has it. God has a different view on relationships. God says that in a marriage relationship, it should be till death do you part with few exceptions. The world says, no, relationships are all about your happiness. And if you're not happy, then get out of the relationship. God says something about pleasure, that true pleasure and ultimate satisfaction is found in God alone. The world says that pleasure is if it feels good, do it. There are two different directions. It doesn't matter how your intentions are. If you're headed in the world's direction, it will always be the wrong direction. The blessed man, the happy man, the one who has supreme joy is the person who goes God's way rather than the world's way. And so here, that's the negative. Verse two, his delight is in the law. Instead, the blessed man takes joy and satisfaction in the law of God and the word of God. And so instead of listening to the world, they listen to the voice of truth in God's word. He says his delight, the delight there has to do with something you love. So not moral compliance. 
So some of you who come to church, it's just all about moral compliance. I just got to do what the book says. If I just check the box, check the box, check the box. No, the blessed man is not a box checker. The blessed man is someone who genuinely loves and delights in the word of God. And let me just share with you, you, it's, you cannot make someone delight in something they don't love. I don't care how attractive you try to make it. I will never delight in Pepsi ever, <laughs> period. Unless Pepsi became Coke and changed their name, I'm not going to drink it. All right. Unless I'm really, really hard up. I don't care how awesome the team is. I will never delight in the University of Louisville, period. It's L's down forever. Okay. Forever. I delight in what I love. It's not moral compliance. It's love. And so because I, the blessed man loves the word of God and he meditates on the word of God. The word meditate means to murmur like some of y'all do when I preach <laughs> mutter. Hmm. Ah, yeah. The word meditate means to consistently think about it. So in other words, it's not just read a few verses and then move on with your day. To meditate means to think about it over and over and over again. So we live in a microwave society, but God wants us to be crockpot. We want to be microwave with the Bible. We want it in, we want it out, we want it in less than a minute or maybe two. Worst case scenario, three minutes. God wants us to marinate in the crockpot of his word and, we want, and, and set it in there. Think of it this way. This idea of meditation, think of a husband who lost his wife and he has only one picture of her. And that picture is one of his most valuable possessions because every time he looks at that picture, it reminds him of her. And every time he looks at it, he thinks about it and he lingers on it and he thinks about her and he thinks about their relationship and he thinks about how awesome she was. When we get into God's word, we are, getting, we are getting a picture of the one who we love and who the one who ultimately loves is Jesus. And we think about him and we meditate on him. See, meditation is not Eastern thoughts of emptying your mind. Meditation is filling your mind with the word of God that you think about in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. The blessed man is the one who turns down the noise of the world and turns up the volume of God's word in their life. And reality is this, so many Christians talk about the Bible, but so many Christians don't know anything about the Bible. Many will hear it. Some will read it. Some will study it. Very few meditate on it. And very, very few memorize it. But here he says, the blessed person is the person who meditates on the word of God. Verse three, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water. If you go out into the desert of the Middle East and you see a green tree, what does it tell you? It tells you that water is nearby. There's some source of water that this plant has. Everything else around this tree is dead and dry, but this tree is green and alive because it has some source of water. And the psalmist here is saying that the blessed person is the one who delights in the word of God, meditates on the word of God, and they are like a tree that is planted. Now that word planted in the Hebrew is replanted. That is, they're uprooted from the world and rooted deep in the living water of the word of God. Uprooted from the world, replanted in the word of God. 
That's where the blessed person is. A blessed person is that. Think about this. Spurgeon said this. I love what he says. Spurgeon says, he says, true Bible believers never find it wearisome. They like it least who know it least. And they love it most who read it most. They find it newest who have known it longest. And they find the pasture to be the richest whose souls have been longest fed on it. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. That tree is planted by the living waters and it continues to grow and it continues to find life. And the Bible says here that the blessed man is like the tree and he yields fruit in its season that in time it produces fruit. And the, and the fruit is knowing Christ and the fruit is being more like Christ that you manifest the fruit of the spirit. So a blessed person is someone who is in the streams of the living word of God and they are producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits are produced out of life. They're not manufactured out of compliance. Fruit is produced. It's not manufactured. If you eat a manufactured apple, you might die. Fruit is produced. Oreos are manufactured. Here, if you are planted in the water of the word, you as a tree will grow and you'll bear fruit. And then it says the leaf does not wither. It's an evergreen tree. It doesn't get sunburned. It doesn't dry up. It doesn't brown. Even though the conditions on the outside seem unbearable, the tree is thriving and healthy. All of hell may break loose around you, but you're still standing tall. In all that they do, they prosper. They accomplish what they are set out to do. This prosperity is not health and wealth, but it's the presence and the smile of God. And so the Bible here is saying that the blessed person is the person who sees that the word of God is the hidden reservoir of life. That though everything on the outside is going down, they are cool, calm, and collected because they have the word of God. Do you know that there are two types of people in this world? those that are afraid and those who know their Bibles. You know, it is Father's Day and one of the things I said to my dad is, I'm just so grateful. I talked to him yesterday on the phone. I said, Dad, I'm just so grateful that you loved me enough to point me to Jesus. And one of the earliest memories I have as a child growing up every morning, I would remember seeing my mom and my dad at the kitchen table reading the Bible and reading a little devotional called Daily Bread. You ever heard of Daily Bread? And they would read it every morning and it was just, it, it left an indelible memory in my mind as a kid remembering this. And every time my parents did all they could to get me to read the Bible, they gave me the little kitty Bible. Then I got a bigger Bible and a bigger Bible. And, and, and they gave me this love for the word of God. Listen, dads, if you want to see your family blessed, plant your family in the word of God. Plant them deep in the word of God. It's a struggle. I struggle with it. But it's better for your family to be in the word of God than anything else. That's the way of blessing. 
Now let's get to the way of brokenness. Verse four, the wicked are not so. So here's this contrast. Those who follow the world and go their way rather than God's way will not be like the blessed man. So those who walk in the counsel of the wicked, those who stand in the way of sinners, those who sit in the seat of scoffers, they are going to be like this. They're gonna be like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff is the outer shell of a kernel of wheat. Have you ever had really, really good popcorn? Anybody like popcorn? I love popcorn. Have you ever had a, you eat a bunch of popcorn and then you have these little things in your teeth and they're so annoying? That's the outer shell of the, of the corn that's been dried. Well, there's an outer shell to wheat and it's this thing called chaff. And in the old days, they would remove the chaff, you would beat it, and then it would blow away on the wind. And so the psalmist here is saying that those who do not follow the blessed way, but follow the way of brokenness and the way of wickedness, they're like, chaff of, they're like a chaff of wheat. They're unstable with no future. They're worthless with no one, in, they have no dignity. They're like dust in the wind hollow shells, no fruit, no connection to the living water, blown around. Have you ever, have you ever met people that are just blown around? Them? They blow this way, they go that way, kind of weightless and useless and worthless and empty. And here's the thing, a person who is an empty husk, an empty shell, it's not always obvious on the surface. On the surface, they look really good. But when crisis comes, when trouble comes, they just blow around. The wicked are like chaff. You know, the one thing that I'm trying to constantly teach my kids, and I know I'm a hypocrite in this, but I try to tell them, listen, you understand that all these things that you think are awesome in the world, all the splendors of the world and the fortune and the sports achievements and popularity and celebrity, do you understand that all of it is an empty shell? It's just chaff in the wind. It just blows around. And so here, the psalmist says that those who do not follow the way of blessedness, they're, they're empty. They're broken. They're blowing around. They, they, they have no root. They have no future. Matter of fact, verse five says, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. They've got no fruit. They don't have a leg to stand on in judgment. This is the spiritual diagnosis of our world. The reason why people in our society are anxious and insecure and fearful is that deep down inside of them, they know they don't have a leg to stand on before a holy God on judgment day. Now, they may not be able to articulate that. You may not be able to articulate that. But deep down, you know that there's something in you that's broken, that's not right. And what is that? It's the fact that you don't have the knowledge of God, which is the ultimate blessing because you don't have a relationship with God. And it's emptiness and it's brokenness. Think about this. I read an article this week in the New York Post. Some of you maybe saw it. It was about Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, you remember, the, the, he's now the 75-year-old Terminator. Like he was Mr. Universe. He's the former governor of California. And in the article, he says the headline is this, is that the idea of heaven is just a fantasy. A couple of years ago, he was interviewed by that great theologian, Howard Stern. <laughs> and Howard Stern asked him a theological question. Here's what the theological question is. What happens to you when you die? You know what Arnold said? You're six, he says, nothing. 
You're six feet under. And anyone that tells you something else is a blanking liar. This is the dude that was in the Terminator and said, I'll be back. And he's like, when you're dead, you ain't coming back. Think about that. A couple of months ago, he was interviewed by Danny DeVito. Asked basically the same question. And here's what, here's what he said to Danny DeVito. He says, when people say, I will see them again in heaven, it sounds so good, but the reality is we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. I know people feel comfortable with death, but I don't. Why? Because he's chaffing the wind. He doesn't have a root. Because those who have a root have a root to the streams of living water. And that's why verse six, the Bible says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This word know is the word yada. It means more than just information. It's intimate knowledge about somebody. It's a relationship. Here, God knows, he has an intimate relationship with those who are his, the righteous. And because he has a personal relationship with him, them, he cares for them, he takes care of them, he sees ahead of them, he guides them, and he protects them. The way of the righteous, they are guarded, they are guided, they are protected, they are provided for. But the way of the righteous, nope. They're just dust in the wind. Their way will perish. Their plans and hopes and dreams will all come to nothing because they have no relationship, they have no connection, they have no future, they're on a highway to hell. God knows the righteous. Well, who are the righteous? Well, the righteous aren't the people that have impressive resumes. Some of you think, oh, it's about me. God knows me because I'm awesome. No. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says, not everyone will say to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. I think we'll have the verses up here. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So what Jesus is saying here is that at Judgment Day, there will be people that have impressive resumes, that there will be people who prophesied in Jesus' name, who cast out demons in Jesus' name, who performed miracles in Jesus' name, but their resumes do not equal a relationship with God because they need a righteousness that their abilities and their talents cannot provide them. They need a righteousness of perfection that only is given by Jesus. So let's end. Y'all ready to end? Let's end. So I was reading this, and here's basically the point. There are two ways of living, two options. The way of blessing and the way of brokenness, okay? It's the bottom line, the end of the day, the question is, which way will you choose? Now, if you came to church in the middle of June on a rainy morning, most of y'all are gonna say, I want the way of blessing this preacher. All right, I want the way of, I wanna be blessed. So I got to thinking about that. I don't know anybody that wouldn't wanna go the way of blessed. I mean, do you, do you know anybody that wants to be broken or broke? Here's what I got thinking though. Stay with me. The problem is that left to our own devices, even though in our heads 
we would say we want the way of blessing, left to ourselves, we will always choose the way of brokenness. I'll tell you that straight up. Do you understand that you were naturally born to listen to the advice of the wicked? You ever wonder why your kids don't listen to you? They're born that way. We are naturally born to accept the actions of sinners. That's why it's easier, even in our hearts sometimes, we say, well, love is love, and you know what you want to, and if it feels good, do it, and you know what, we didn't. We're born that way. We are born to adopt the attitude of the scoffer. The reason why we scroll mindlessly on social media and get connected to Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and all this, that, and the other is because we are naturally drawn to scoffers. Do you know that? We, are, we naturally reject the word of God. We don't delight in it. Think about that. How hard is it for you to read the Bible? How hard is it for you to get your kids to read the Bible? We would naturally rather go our way, nobody telling us what to do, than going God's way. And because of that, we know we're not able to stand on a judgment day before holy God. That's natural. We're born that way. You don't have to do squat. That's who you is, okay? So, how would we ever choose the way of blessing? If our natural predisposition, inclination is the path of stupid, how would we ever go to the way of blessing? Answer, Jesus. Stay with me. Stay with me. This is going to be good. Because the psalm, Psalm 1, it's not ultimately about you. It's not even ultimately about me. This psalm is ultimately about Jesus because Jesus is the truly blessed man. And Jesus is the only way to lasting happiness. How do I know that? Stay with me. Number one, Jesus did not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but lived in perfect submission to the Father. Jesus did not stand in the way of sinners, but is a friend of sinners and died instead of sinners. Three, Jesus didn't sit in the seat of the scoffer, but he sits in the seat of mercy. Jesus perfectly delights in the word of God. He meditates on it day and night. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He is like a tree of life planted by the streams of living water so that whoever drinks of him will never be thirsty again. Jesus produces the fruit of eternal life and is evergreen regardless of the seasons of life. So are also those who abide in him. In all that Jesus does, he prospers and he wins. Jesus never fails. He is the rock and the firm foundation for all who trust in him. He is our only hope and our only refuge on the day of judgment because he took the judgment of God on the cross for us. And because of Jesus, God knows your way, the way of righteousness, not your righteousness, but his righteousness. So that 
in the word, the blessed man, we know that God delights in us because of Jesus. That the Bible teaches us as a kid we were taught, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the tells me so. And if the Bible tells me how much he loves me, and I experience his love, that's going to change my heart to want to read this book. That when I see that Jesus died because I was his delight, then I will delight to read whatever he's written to me. But it's until you have that relationship with God, you will never delight to be in his word. It's not moral compliance. It's a relationship of love. So here's my questions to you as we end. Which are you becoming more like? Are you becoming more like chaff in the wind? Or the Jesus of the word? Which way are you going? The way of the world? Or the way of the word? Who are you trusting in? Yourself? If you trust in yourself, you won't have a leg to stand on on the day of judgment. Or are you trusting in Jesus who took your place, bore your shame, took your sins, and gives you new life? Who are you choosing? Blessed is the man who trusts in Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are all that we need. And God, for those in this room or those watching online, would you help us to see that all we need is Jesus and that when we have experienced his love and felt his grace, then we will learn to delight in his word. And God, as we remember all that Jesus has done for us, help us, God, to stay in your word and to love you than we do the things of this world. For you are our cornerstone in the storms of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing about Jesus, our cornerstone. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's Word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church. Go out and be the church. Have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.